Let's pray. Lord God, we bless your mighty and holy name. We thank you for this beautiful day and how you have all brought us here to worship you and to sing your praises. Lord God, we just thank you in your mighty son, Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Good morning, sweetheart. I love you. It's wonderful to stand up here again in front of you and give another lamplighter talk. And I wanted to thank the council ring. Why, I don't know. But they invited me back to give another um, talk. And I purposefully um, asked for a late week spot in order to give everyone the chance to look up my 2012 talk to prepare for today's talk. It's available on that handy-dandy Podbean podcast, right? And I know that a lot of you did take this opportunity knowing that I'd be speaking on Thursday. Show of hands. <laughs> show, show of hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because... I've been actually watching, you know, you can see the little tracker, how many likes and, and how many downloads and how many shares. And I haven't seen the number go up from Saturday, so I'm a little confused. It surely must be some sort of technological glitch or something, because again, show of hands. Thanks, thanks for that. And um, also, the benefit of having a late week spot is that, well, you get to steal other lamplighter talk, you know, stuff, which is good. Um, but also, you're on the other side of stunt night, and so you're less likely to be jabbed. But I'm just going to say for the record, it was a little concerning to me when Anders, you know, started singing about um, celebrating the campers who um, go out during the talk to take a pee. I'm just saying that I hope you don't have to celebrate me in that same way. And also, if I get stuck um, like a lady in the, an old lady in the lavatory until Saturday. So just, just, just playing that out there. So just pray for me that way. Wait. <laughs> as, as my mother used to say, no comments from the peanut gallery. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, I'll just get to the, um, the heart. The heart of the matter, which is um, how I'm titling my talk, which is Barbara and the MBTA. Now, for those of you, again, who prepared for my talk by listening to my 2012 talk, you'll know that the MBTA, also known as the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority, right? It's the Boston area's infamous public transportation system. Um, it plays a very important part in my, my spiritual walk. So, and I'll just, I'll just say for the record, it is my favorite thing in the world to complain about. Because it's neither, well, it's only Massachusetts and Bay that are typically accurate. It's not an authority or transportation. It's, <laughs> it's not reliable, it just, it's, again, it... it it, it, it gets me a little, a, little, a little upset on a daily basis. That said, um, it is the means by which I was introduced to Winnie some 27 years ago um, when I was making my then daily commute from Mansfield, Massachusetts to Boston. And this very tall, 
very gregarious man, young man at that time, <laughs> by the name of Jonathan Rokes. Um, was, I mean, we were walking the same, where's Jonathan? Where are you? We were walking the same path, right, from our respective homes. And Jonathan, as, as a chummy sort that he is, um, he basically offered me candy one day. <laughs> now, and I don't know why I didn't think automatically, oh my God, this man is creepy. But it just tells you that, I mean, I respond to chocolate. Okay, and God knows that, and so God used that, and Jonathan and I were just reflecting on that this morning, and wow, <laughs> what a leap of faith that was on his part for, after we got to know each other for some time, to inv- invite us, us being then just the Earl and the Barbara, not the Daniel and the Katie, um, to uh, a long weekend at Winnie, really? And so how bizarre that he offered, and how strange that we accepted. So again, that was 27 years ago. So um, when I talk about the MBTA, the train, being part of my spiritual experience, it's actually my feet that enable me to get to the train. It's basically a 20-minute walk each way, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. It doesn't matter if it's raining, snowing, if it's bitter cold out, if it's 90 degrees. It's that time each day where I pray as I'm walking and I meet God. And that's where he meets me. And I'm certain that's why he's kept me on this train for almost 20, 30 years, 30 years he's kept me on that train because he knows that's when he's got my attention. It's the time in the dark winter months when it's, <laughs> it's the crack of dawn and I'm making my daily schlep into Boston for work. And I'm praising God and I can do it out loud. It's, I'm much more effective when I'm praying out loud rather than in my head because my head gets distracted. But when I'm praying out loud and no one hears me at 5.30 in the morning, I'm just walking along, praise your God, praise your God. And then other times like now when spring is blooming, well, summer is here, but the spring blooms And there's beautiful fragrances and a river that I can trace basically from our house to the train station. And it's just lovely. And I just wouldn't trade it for the world. In my most spirit-filled moments, I am completely overwhelmed and just consumed by God's daily blessings, his boundless mercy, and his unending provision for our lives. In my most unfocused and distracted moments, I'm like that dog whose attention is caught by a squirrel, and he's all over the place. And for me, that squirrel is my laundry list, the things that I have to do, all of the work that waits for me ahead at the office. But still, it's my time with the Lord. It's a time when I have a private audience with God Almighty. And I'm not mother, I'm not wife, I'm not sister, I'm not daughter, I'm not employee, I'm his beloved child. And I am wholly understood and beloved. I'm not the sum total of my successes or failures in this life. I'm just his, and he loves me unconditionally. And again, another another show of hands, those, those people who listened to my 2012 talk before, 
Thank you, thank you, good, gold star campers. Um, you'll also remember that there's another very um, important part of my, my daily spiritual meal, and that is in the daily meditations of Jesus Calling, which was um, written by Sarah Young, and she writes in the first person of Christ, and um, she does this lovely meditation, and then um, buoys it by scripture. So that's been a real, a real important, um, that's the breakfast of, of prayer champions in, in my mind. And in this, um, she tells us in, again, God's person, that we, she wants to, um, she calls us to be, allow ourselves to become fully aware of God's pleasure shining upon us. We don't have to perform well in order to receive his love. In fact, a performance focus will pull us away from him. And it can also be a source of deep discouragement when works don't measure up to expectations. He says, shift your focus from your performance to my radiant presence. The light of my love shines on you continually regardless of your feelings or behavior. Your responsibility is to be receptive to this unconditional love. Thankfulness and trust are your primary receptors. I love that thought. Thank me for everything and trust me at all times. Now, I hope you'll indulge me in my numerous references to Sarah Young's book in Practicing the Presence. Um, we could equally say these things about Glenn Clark and his spot-on writings about the necessity, the bedrock, the foundation of prayer, and God's promises to those believe who believe in his answers. But I'll just say, you know, lamplighter talks are a lot like a church potluck, right? You know that not everyone is going to show up with a platter of roast beef. You get some casseroles, you get some ham. We had some ham a couple of days ago. And we'll have it tomorrow, I dare say. <laughs> and then, you know, and then you've got a, a nice, well-rounded meal. And today, I will bring to you the green jello surprise. <laughs> so, I crave this time, my daily walk. I'm completely out of sorts when I don't get it. If I have to drop the car off at the auto body before going to work, or if I have to drive into work, I'm out of sorts. I haven't gotten my prayer time. And God is jealous for this prayer time. He covets this time with me as I do with him. And just a fun fact, again for those gold star campers who want to use these little nuggets of trivia to prepare for my next lamplighter talk. When we were looking, when we were looking for a house um, last year, we sold our old family house in Mansfield, Massachusetts. We were looking for another house. And as Earl and I were going through our laundry list, our non-negotiables, what we needed to have in this new house. And for me, I had to be able to walk to the train. And wouldn't you know it, 20 minutes in Mansfield from home to train, 20 minutes in Attleboro from home to train. So it's, you know, God's amazing provision. But even when the daily commute gets the best of me, and I complain bitterly about the MBTA and my human frustration and anger with this inefficient system, God shines through. Now, case in point, on a recent uh, commute, and the train was delayed for whatever reasons, it crawled into Boston an hour late, and I got out of the train. I'm 
fuming and I see a customer service agent in the station and I just let go. I can't believe this. What do you mean customer service? And I just freak out on the poor thing. It, no reason. I mean, she had, she had no part in this, but I just had to let it go on somebody. So I state my piece. I go marching down the street to the next leg of my commute, and then God says, he stops me at the corner. Fortunately, the light was red. He stops me at the corner. He says, you go back and apologize to that woman. And I'm like, you know, you're trying to brush him off like a gnat. But then he's just poking at you. Barbara, go back and apologize. Well, God, you do realize that I have to go into work, and I'm already an hour late. You need to go back and apologize. So he turns me on my heel. He marches me back in there, just like a mother who's going and marching a child back to return to the mess that they created. So I find this agent, and I knew who she was, and she saw me, and I saw her. And I go up to her, and I just apologized. And she just listens, and she waits a minute, and she says to me, you know, I, got, I see God in you. And I'm like, really? I'm a piece of trash, and you see God in me? And she did. She saw God in me, because at that moment, in my righteous indignation, and I had every right to be mad at her and this rotten system, she didn't see me, she see God in me. So praise God. So there I've sort of set you up for the delivery mechanism for my daily prayer. But what I really wanted to talk to you about is the essence of prayer, what prayer means to me in my life. So let's just look at the word, the definition for essence. I love the sound of that word. Essence is the intrinsic nature or indispensable quality of something particularly something abstract that determines its character. It's the quintessence, it's the soul, it's the spirit, the core, the heart, something that exists. It's an entity. And God has shown me that the taste of prayer is sweet as honey, and the smell of prayer is an aroma of praise. And the feel of prayer is the peace that passeth understanding. It's a blanket of assurance that comforts and envelops me. The power of prayer is the shield that protects and restores me. The essence of prayer reveals and reflects God's true, ineffable, unchanging character and promises. The essence of prayer is opportunity to trust him through thick and thin, sickness and in health, feast and famine, and in my greatest trials, I'm drawn closer to him to develop a deeper, more profound relationship. The prayer is equally concrete. It's the foundation of my life. It's the street sign when I'm lost. It's the core of my spiritual DNA. It's my duty, I dare say. It's my responsibility as a Christian. It's my obligation to God. It's a covenant. It's the what I owe to those that I love and to those who love me. When I say to someone, I'll pray for you, I have to mean it and I have to do it. And I think of the blessing that comes when I hear that other people are praying for me. I think in those formative years of our marriage when I was, God was just starting to take me 
on this amazing spiritual journey, when I met Earl's parents, who are, have gone on, um, and I will meet them again and see them in heaven, and I know that with every fiber of my being. But they prayed. They prayed constantly that I would come to know Christ and that I would know the riches that he has in store for me, not only in this life, but in eternal life. I can pray for something as trivial as when we were going on a family vacation a few weeks ago and we were bringing our little puppy along with us and she was going to meet her big dog cousin. And I was getting nervous about it and thinking, okay, God, let's just add this to the prayer list. Oh, her name is the, well, God, but the dog. Dog's name is Bella. Oh, Lord, I just pray that Bella and Drake, Jake, Drake, big black lab, will get along well and he won't, like, take his huge jaw and bite her in one fell swoop. I was just thinking, which would have been possible. But they get along fabulously and it was just adorable. And of course, I have the profound, persistent prayers, which live in my heart daily. So uh, a big part of this uh, situation, which is claimed a number one spot on the top of my prayer list every day, is my mother, Patricia. She's almost 90 years old, and she has been resistant. She's been living on her own for years. And she's been very resistant to moving closer to us, so us being Earl and me, so that we can better support her. And again, I've been frustrated, I've been angry, I've been resentful, and I've just been able to put this on the altar day in and day out. But then, of course, I keep on grabbing it back and trying to control things myself. But I just pray for this woman who does not know the Lord, that in those final moments, wherever and whenever they happen. And I can just whisper to her that God loves her and he wants her in his kingdom with him. One of her favorite songs, not of a, for spiritual reasons, but because of the harmony that's in it, is Quietly, Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. And I just fantasize. I pray for that day when I can just whisper in her ear, Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. And that is my prayer. Prayer is the essence of thankfulness, praise and longing and desire. It's the essence of transparency, illuminating the dark corners of my soul and shining a light on my true human nature, which I would just as soon keep hidden, impatient, frustrated, angry, insensitive, unbelieving, and at times hopeless. In my worst prayerful moments, I treat God like a short-order cook who's taking my order. And family, you know how I am in restaurants, right? Okay, so I want the chicken salad. I don't, that's not fried, right? It's going to be broiled. I want the broiled chicken salad. Are there any onions on that? Because I can't do fresh onions. If they're cooked, I can have those. And I want the mixed greens. I don't want the iceberg lettuce. I don't want the dressing. What kind of dressing do you have? Dressing on the side. Thank you. He's a short order cook. He's a waiter. And then other times, I'm like that character in Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, that petulant violet, who says, I want it now. Daddy, now! And then you know what happens to her, right? She turns into a big blueberry and then she goes, pop! So we need to, we need to ward against that. But in my most spirit-filled prayer for moments, 
I experience the profound reality of God's unique, unchanging character and ultimate power. He will make a way when there is no way, when I cannot possibly see a way out of the muck and mire that I've either gotten myself into or circumstances or other people have heaped on me. He'll never forsake me. He'll never leave me. And great is his faithfulness regardless of my faithfulness. In Jesus Calling, Sarah Young writes, trust me by relinquishing control into my hands. Let go and recognize that I am God. This is my world. I made it and I control it. And yours is the responsive part in the litany of love. I search among my children for receptivity to me. When you bring me your prayer requests, lay out your concerns before me and speak to me candidly. Pour out your heart and then thank me for the answers that I have set in motion long before you can discern the results. When your requests come to mind again, continue to thank me for the answers that are on the way. If you keep stating your concerns to me, you'll live in a state of tension. Thankful prayers keep your focus on my presence and my promises. And in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, we're reminded to, to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So people, I am a planner. I'm a laundry list maker, a box checker, take it into my own hands and chart a course kind of gal. Bit of a control freak, you might say. But in Jesus' calling, I'm reminded, rest in me, child. Give your mind a break from your planning and trying to anticipate what will happen. Pray continually, asking my spirit to take charge of the details of this day. And remember that you're on a journey with me. When you try to peer into the future and plan for every possibility, you ignore your constant companion who sustains you moment to moment. As you gaze anxiously in the distance, you don't even feel my strong grip of my hand holding you and how foolish you are, my child. When I can't possibly imagine a way out of a situation, there's no human way of reconciling a relationship or I'm just too impatient to listen to God's timing and the unfolding of his plan. He whispers to me in his still small voice, or sometimes he shouts, I am with you and I'm for you. When you decide on a course of action that's in line with my will, nothing in heaven or on earth can stop you. You may encounter many obstacles as you move, as you move toward your goal, but don't be discouraged. Never give up. With my help, you can overcome any obstacle. Don't expect an easy path as you journey hand in hand with me, but remember that I, your very present helper, am omnipotent. The essence of prayer is his peace that passeth understanding, when by all rights, I should be freaked out by a problem, distracted by its grip on me, unable to move forward, paralyzed by the what if. And Jesus calling, my face is shining upon you, beaming out peace that transcends understanding. You're surrounded by a sea of problems, but you're face to face with me, your peace. As long as you focus on me, you're safe. 
If you gaze too long at the myriad problems around you, you will sink under the weight of your burdens. And when you start to sink, simply call, help me, Jesus. When I was getting ready, we were this situation with my mother, which has reached a fevered pitch a few weeks ago. I was in her apartment. I was helping to, we were getting ready to take her to an assisted living community so that she could see what it might be like. And she was on my last nerve, people. She was being obstinate, and I was just at my wit's end. She was in her bedroom getting ready at the time, and I was not within earshot, which is a good thing, because I went into her kitchen. I just said, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. I can't do this myself, because if I do it myself, it is not going to be pretty. But Jesus take the wheel. And he did. He removed that from me. The closer you live to me, the safer you are. Circumstances around you are undulating, and there are treacherous looking waves in the distance. Fix your eyes on me, the one who never changes. By the time those waves reach you, they will have shrunk to proportions of my design. And I am always beside you, helping you face today's waves. The future is a phantom seeking to spook you. Laugh at the future. Stay close to me. At the core, the very heart of my prayers is thankfulness. Now, admittedly, got some control issues. And God and I have talked about this before. He hasn't come to my understanding of this. I just think if he gave us a divine crystal ball that, everyone, that how everything would turn out in the future, well, our problems would be much more manageable and more reasonable. But I must say that thankfulness doesn't seem to be an issue for me. As I am blown away by his love, his mercy, his provision, and his plan for our lives. He's given me an amazing husband, two amazing children. They might be here, they might not be, I don't know. <laughs> a beautiful roof over our heads, a great job, terrific health, and the cutest little puppy on the face of the planet. <laughs> Where's your baby? Where's your baby? I know. Mommy and Daddy are coming home soon, sweetheart. <laughs> Yes, Earl loves the dog more than he loves me at this point, but that's okay. That's a talk for another, another day. <sighs> so, again, sometimes I am just overcome. This is too distracting, honey. This is too distracting. People need to focus on me. Now take that dog down. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, it's, it's obviously, it's a vanity competition for me and the dog, but anyway... <laughs> Um, but sometimes, as crazy as it sounds, I'm on my prayer walk, and I'm just like, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And sometimes the laundry list, right, it gets in the back seat. And a few months ago, it was pouring, pouring rain. And I had my umbrella, right, which is not a given. Some people don't have umbrellas. I have my umbrella. I'm like, thank you, God, I got my umbrella. And I had three back at home. And I'm like, wow, wow, thank you, God, right? But... In Jesus Calling, Sarah Young reminds us that God says it is impossible to thank him too much. 
Let thankfulness rule in your heart. As you thank me for the blessings in your life, a marvelous thing happens. Scales fall off your eyes, enabling you to see more and more of my glorious riches. With your eyes thus opened, you can help yourself to whatever you need from my treasure house. Each time you receive one of my golden gifts, let your thankfulness sing out praises to my name. Hallelujahs are the language of heaven, and they can become the language of your heart. When I beat myself up for being distracted or focused on anything but my precious communion time with God Almighty, like that dog who sees the squirrel and loses all concentration, he reminds me it's all right to be human. When your mind wanders while you're praying, don't be surprised or upset. Simply return your attention to me. Share a secret smile with me, knowing that I understand. Rejoice in my love for you, which has no limits or conditions. Don't be discouraged by the difficulty of keeping your focus on me. I know that your heart's desire is to be aware of my presence continually. It's a lofty goal. You aim toward it but you never fully achieve it in this life. Don't let feelings of failure weigh you down. Instead, try to see yourself as I see you. First of all, I'm delighted by your deep desire to walk closely with me through your life, and I am pleased each time you initiate communication with me. In addition, I notice the progress that you've made since you first resolved to live in my presence, and that got me thinking, progress. I'm all about measuring up. I'm rather competitive, and I see even my work performance as a degrees of progress. But progress in my spiritual life, and we were talking about this in our prayer group the other day. What does that mean, progress? And, and I, I just have to say how much Winnie has been just a formative part of my prayerful progression. When we first started here and our children were very little, I was still very uncomfortable with the idea of sitting in a group and praying together. I would make excuses on the backs of the children. Oh, I have to change Daniel's diaper. <laughs> Daniel, where are you, sweetheart? I love you. <laughs> That's not a... <laughs> And Katie had some sort of, I don't know, Katie, what kind of issues did you have, sweetheart? She had a lot of issues, but anyway. <laughs> Wait, oh, hi, honey. I love you, sweetheart. Yes, I do. I do. You're my sweet pea. I love you more, honey. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but they were a convenient excuse. But when I realized, going back each year and having these incredible relationships, that, that these God-ordained relationships where we could share each other's burdens, I would be built up by someone else's experience, maybe, oh, you know, Barb, that happened to me. Or as we have a reference to scripture and how critical and how foundational that was. And again, the, the way Glenn Clark built it in the entire CFO program, it is the bedrock, it's the foundation, it's the spine of our entire experience here. So when I feel like there is no one else in the world that can possibly understand what I'm going through, I have to remember that there's nothing that I can endure that Christ himself 
did not endure. Nothing that he can't understand and help me get through. Nothing that he didn't bring to Father God in prayer. As Burns reminded us, you gotta go in through that door. He's there as you go through. In recent years, I had a very difficult situation at work as a staff member of mine. And I was wrongly accused by her. I was at risk of having an indelible black mark on my professional reputation. But more than that, I had serious doubts about myself as a manager and how I handled the situation. I felt wronged. I felt wounded. I felt resentful. And I was not capable of praying for this woman or even being able to forgive her. I judged her. I judged myself. And I can only reconcile my feelings and make it to the other side by going through the trial with God in prayerful meditation. God says, my children make a pastime of judging one another and themselves. But I am the only capable judge, and I have acquitted you and even those you accuse. If you live close to me and absorb my word, the Holy Spirit will guide and correct you as needed. I'm a worry wart. I was just born that way. I even remember in the uncluttered, uncomplicated summers of my youth, I would obsess about the start of school, teenaged angst, friendships, but mostly about my pet gerbils, who kept on making baby gerbils. And I had 16 of them at one time, and I had no idea what to do with them. But of course, God has taught me through prayer to bring all of my burdens to him, large and small. But of course, as I said before, I keep on laying those burdens down. I keep on picking them up again and laying them down and picking them up into my own hands like a game of whack-a-mole. But he reminds me that worry is a lack of trust that he will make a way and comfort me through my trials. He tells me that I need to be patient with him. I need to be patient for his answers in his timing. Again, like we were talking about yesterday in prayer group, it is his divine plan and the unfolding just when he says. And the times when he says, he answers by saying, wait. Those are the most difficult and uncomfortable times. But I have to trust in him, in his provision and the unfolding of his perfect plan. Waiting on me means directing your attention to me in hopeful anticipation of what I will do. It entails trusting me with every fiber of your being instead of trying to figure things out yourself. Waiting on me is the way I designed you to live all day, every day. I created you to stay conscious of me as you go about your daily duties. And when I pray for things to go my way, God, because of course it makes the most sense now, doesn't it? He reminds me, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and thoughts higher than yours. Remember who I am when you spend time with me and marvel at the wonder of being able to commune with the king of the universe anytime, place. Never take this amazing privilege for granted. I pray daily for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to guide my path, 
to make me more of the woman, the mother, the child of God, the wife, the daughter, the employee, the sister that he designed me to be. And by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he says, I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The one who walks beside you, holding you by your hand, is the same one who lives within you. This is a deep, unfathomable mystery. And you and I are intertwined in an intimacy involving every fiber of your being. The light of my presence shines within you as well as upon you. I am in you, and you are in me. Therefore, nothing in heaven or on earth can separate you from me. I'd like to end with one of my favorite songs. It's called Awake My Soul by one of my favorite groups called Phillips Craig and Dean. And as the choir and the worship team come up, um, I would just like to recite the lyrics. And when we get to the chorus, I invite you to sing along with us. When I close my eyes, I can see your glory. When I raise my hands, I can touch your face. When I bow my knees, I stand before you, and Christ is formed in me. Awake, my soul, prepare an entrance for your glory, and let my heart become a throne for you to dwell. And when I need your Holy Spirit more than life itself, then Christ is formed in me. When I lose myself, I reflect your image. When I break my will, then I am whole. When I give my all, I find life everlasting. Then Christ is formed in me. Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will fill this fragile jar of clay through prayer, submission, and above all, trust. Hallelujah. Amen. When I close my eyes, I can see your glory. When I raise my hands, I can touch your face. When I bow my knees, I stand before you. And Christ is formed in me. Awake, my soul, prepare an entrance for your glory. And let my heart become a throne for you to dwell. And when I need your Holy Spirit more than life itself, then Christ is formed in me. When I lose myself, 
I reflect your image when I break I break my will then I am whole when I give give my all I find life everlasting then Christ is formed in me awake my soul Awake my soul, prepare an entrance for your glory. And let my heart become a throne for you to dwell. And when I need your Holy Spirit more than life itself, Christ is formed in me. Awake my soul, awake my soul, prepare an entrance for your glory. And let my heart become a throne for you to dwell. And when I need your Holy Spirit more than life itself, then Christ, Christ is formed in me. Awake my soul, prepare an entrance for your glory. And let my heart become a throne for you to dwell. Thank you, Jesus. And when I need your Holy Spirit more than life itself, then Christ, then Christ is formed in me.